We're live. So stay tuned, stay tuned, stay tuned. I'm here with the coach, John Brent. Man, I'm here with the vet, Mr. Ian Griffin. It's like my dad used to always say on a Monday morning when the Cowboys win, everybody's happy. Hey, there we go. Dude, feel we it, feel are today. strutting today, man. They, they freaking kick butt. Yeah, they played so well that I turned them off in the third quarter and searched for a game that was more competitive. I couldn't do that. I, I filmed it and I watched it two more times this week. I promise you that. You do a film uh, study. You're a film study coach. <laughs> yes, I am. I will study every ounce of it. Oh, they said that is the most points we scored uh, in a half since 71. Yeah. Since 1971. And they said that <laughs> the Falcons, that's the most points scored on them in a half since 1970. So, okay. So that's pretty good. Wait a minute. How much was the, 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 the half points? 36, 30, uh, 36 to three. Okay. I was fixing to say because I remember just in the Super Bowl a few years ago, they gave up about 31 and a half. <laughs> yeah, but that went in the, yeah, yeah. So, uh, the defense, when you think about this, the defense, uh, they skunked them. No red zone, you know, yeah. uh, field goal. Good. Uh, the field goal, sometimes I say that's a victory and not a victory for the defense. You know what I'm saying? So, well, I like uh, the, we're talking about something totally different, aren't we? Yeah, we are. So we get we got to get move on from the the America's team, great Cal, Dallas Cowboys, and we got to move yeah. on to this. Hey, you know, nothing ever happened, and no coordination happened. But it's still in Virginia, and the terrorist thing sent there the letter, and the DOJ getting involved, and there was no coordination with the with the National School Board administration whatsoever. But now we find out that there was because anytime somebody tells us there wasn't in this administration, we find out it is, and so. I got to ask you, Coach, what the flip-flops going on in Washington, man? Well, it seems to be what's going on in Washington is the same thing that's going on in Washington all the time. We're not getting the transparency we said we were going to get. We're not getting the unity that we were told we were going to get. And what we're doing now is we're being told one thing to make the public feel confident, and then three or four months later, we realize that we're being told something totally different. So this this issue issue coming up with the school boards and, and with the critical race theory and down the line, parents shouldn't be involved. I mean, they're going to tell you what they want to tell you to keep it calm. But what they're going to do behind the scenes is keep their base going forward. And that's what they're doing. Yeah, that's what they're doing. So one thing I got, we were finding out that the, the National School Board Administration and the White House met a month prior to that letter coming out, you know, even a, you know, three weeks prior. Uh, even though no, no, that didn't happen. So this is a question I got on the bigger picture of things. When he campaigned, President Biden, all he talked about was how he's for the unions, and everything is tied to the unions. So how much money has the unions given him in his campaign to pay homage to all this? Because we've proven the Democratic Party in the Virginia election is not for the parents and the students; they are for the unions, and we've proven so many other times his speech. This will help people with union jobs. This will help the people that has this union. This will help this union here. Why don't you just be the president for the freaking people? I mean, I'm just asking the question. You know, I don't know because the unions are not always for the people. They're for their best interests and their personal interests at the end of the day because they're never for the company. And they're sometimes for the people if it suits the, the growth of the union. But bottom line, they're for the the growth of the union and nothing else. So, I mean, throw it back at you there, coach, on that. Well, 
you know, being a coach, I mean, if you look at the NFL Players Association, it's the same thing. They're always for the player until they're not for the player. And there's been a lot of things recently in the last couple of years, especially with the COVID, that they actually haven't been for the player and for individual rights of the player. They're actually what's best for them in the public eye. Um, and because they don't want to be canceled or cancel culture type mentality towards them. So they're not really for the player, just like these guys aren't really for the, the people of the union. They're actually for the higher ups in the union. And what they want to do is stay in power. And the same thing with politics, vet to stay in power. You do what it takes to stay in power. It's not about we, the people. It's not about we, the union. It's about staying in power. So I will say, you know, back when unions first started, there was some legitimacy. What We needed them at that time. But that was 100 years ago, to be quite frank with everybody. That was 100 years ago. And now, you know, unions are, are not necessarily waving the flag in the right way. And when did we allow a union member to be part of the Department of Education board for the White House? What? You would never do that. You would not allow the Teamster Union to be in charge of, of a transportation board. I'm just throwing it out there. You know what I'm saying? You get all sorts of crap for that. But so we allow union leadership who is not for the school. They are for the betterment of the union, hoping all the teachers will pay to their salaries and keep them in. But why would we allow a union to navigate policy in the United States of America, even have their hands in there, even have a recording in there? Why would we even do that? Why would we not have bona fide teachers who are just teachers there? That is, that is appreciated across America and maybe bona fide educators has had a lifelong history of it, but why would we dabble into allowing a union? Has we not seen, like in Los Angeles, with some of the teachers unions there that crippled the school districts there and what they've done during COVID. So why would we even allow it? I don't know. You know, it's just me asking that is I have no idea. Well, there's a couple of things that come to mind. Number one, one of my favorite families to uh, that I've researched because I've always been a fan of, and I hate to say this, the JFK assassination, the Kennedy family was totally for the people and for people being represented by unions. But what they were not for was for the Teamsters Union like Hoffa. They were totally against the mob being involved. And that's normally what happens. I'm not saying there's mob involved like they were in the 1960s. But what happens is the people that are in power for the unions are not there for the people, it's kind of like almost like socialism and communism. The people at the very top are rich and they just want to control everybody at the bottom. Now, this thing that happened recently with the, the teachers is very interesting to me because we elect the school board members, vet. We are the ones that go out. We see those signs. We get out on those two. Not many people go vote for local school boards, but the people who go out and vote for that are usually very passionate about two things. Number one, the education system, and number two, their kids, because they're involved in the education system at that time. And to tell people that they can't like that idiot up in Virginia, and I'm glad he lost the election. That's why he lost the Degum election, Terry McAuliffe, because he said teachers, or, or excuse me, parents need to stay out of the teaching process. Are you kidding me? We should be 100% more involved. And as a teacher that used to teach in a public school, I remember one time that I had 476 kids in a middle school. And I had 167 of those were in my eighth grade. And we're divided that into two teachers that were teaching eighth grade history. So about 85, 90 students each. And it came to teachers night, or excuse me, parents night. I had four parents show up out of almost 90. The other teacher had 11 out of 97. And you know why she had 11? Because she taught the AP class 
and more and more people are involved in their kids when they're in the A&P classes. So when you tell me the, the major issues that we have in our country right now with the way the kids are being educated and coming out at 18 years old with no civics, you know, no civics classes, no, no things that they really know going into the real world. We need parents to get back into that school board and say, we need to be teaching what's important, not critical race theory, not 1619 project, not stupid stuff. We teach, I teach history. We talk, we teach slavery so much that sometimes I used to get emails that saying, we think you teaching too much on slavery. So don't give me that. We need teachers to get parents involved. We need parents to help those teachers teach what they need to be teaching, not what they want to be teaching. So I'm going to say two things on teachers here. As you know, my mom was a teacher. Okay. And she started teaching after I graduated high school. My mom was a teacher. People knew her from all over because of her teaching. My grandfather was a teacher. I cannot walk into Mount Pleasant and mention his name without people going, oh, you mean Mr. Mack? We loved him. I had a guy tell me, he says, the only thing I learned that was relevant to me from school was from him. I, I hear that all the time. My great grandma was a teacher. My sister-in-law's a teacher. My sister's a teacher. So I'm from a family of teachers. You know, one thing I've never heard them talk about was any school board union. No, no teachers union. Never once. And I will tell you, my sister-in-law is educator of the year two years ago. You know, my grandfather who taught my papa, I could go anywhere within 60 mile radius. And I say, I'm from Mount Pleasant. And they go, oh, I'm from Mount Pleasant. Well, you must have had my grandfather. Since I mentioned the name, they tell me all sorts of wonderful stories about him. I'm going to throw one story out here just for the heck of it. My mom told me the story about my grandfather teaching science, physics, and math in high school. And there was a kid that was mad at him because he was failing. And they're out in the front yard. And my grandfather was six foot six, and he was a big fellow. He probably packed on about 280 pounds at the time. The guy came to their yard with a baseball bat. And my grandpa looked at my meemaw, and he always called her Hannah. I don't know why he called her that. He goes, Hannah, get the kids inside. And my mom and my uncle walked, looked through the window, and the boy had the baseball bat, and he had it up there like he's going to hit my grandfather, and he was shaking. And my grandfather just walked up to him, put his arm around him, and grabbed the baseball bat and threw it on the ground. He said, why don't you come to me, and let's talk about your schooling since it bothers you so much. And he says, uh, why don't we sit down and figure out what your problems are? You know, that's what teachers are supposed to do. Parents probably should have been involved in that but glad the kid was involved with, but I will tell you what would have not solved that is a damn thing from a teacher's union. You know, that's yeah. just my thoughts. Well, and, and you know, I hear, and one thing I, I know we can have a lot of time on this, but one of the things that I've been hearing lately is we need to teach our kids real history. Well, yes. that's really funny because I don't know what they expect from history teachers because our country, we teach from 1607, Jamestown all the way to today. Okay. We are giving three, six weeks or, or, or excuse me, six, six weeks or four, eight weeks, depending on where you are to teach that amount of time to prepare kids for a star test. We know what's on the star test. If you want to get with some people and go complain, go down there in, in, in Austin to complain about that stupid test that we have to condense everything in. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you have to teach history, no matter what you teach and how much time you spend on it, there's two things you're going to have issues with. Number one is you're never going to cover everything. And, if, and the curriculum that's set up is for certain dates in our history and how the teacher teaches that. I don't know of any high school teacher that's out indoctrinating, but I do know a whole lot of uh, college uh, professors that are doing that now. 
But the second thing that 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 always comes to my mind when I think about it, Vet, is this: if you like the other day, we did we had a whole assignment. Where I was teaching Roe versus Wade, where I separated one on one side for abortion and against abortion. Mm-hmm. What a teacher needs to do is give the facts, teach them, let the kids go back and forth in the debate. And at the end of the day, say, OK, write your opinion. That's what I do. Write your opinion. Are you for against it? And tell me why in a half a page. Well, two days later, you know what? One of those those guys raised their hand and said, Mr. Bachman, we were talking back in the back. What is your stance on Roe versus Wade? That's what you that's how you teach. They didn't even know my stance on it. And when they asked the question, I said, you know what? I'll tell you my stance on it. But what I don't want to do is to change your mind on it. And that's the way you have to teach. Most most teachers are that way, vet. But what we're being told is unless you teach critical race theory, as they're talking about, you're not teaching real history. And then you hear the second part of that. We're not even teaching critical race theory. And they're already complaining about it. That's the time to complain about it is before they teach it, because once it's on the books, you're never going to take it off. Correct. Uh, So I'll throw a couple of things in here and we'll get out of here. A couple of things on that is you take the AP honors classes out of the way. Boom. You just push them off the side a second. And you take the rest. You and I are from the state of Texas, and I talked about this before. State of Texas, every March, most history classes, we discuss things that happened in Texas. We discuss the Texas Revolution. We discuss the Alamo and the Battle of San Jacinto. When you can walk around high school students in the month of May, and they can't even tell you anything about the Battle of San Jacinto, what us adding something else to the curriculum are they going to listen to when that is ingrained every freaking year in this state, all the way up to being a senior, pretty much. So if they can't absorb that, and I'm not saying kids are dumb, they're just tuning out. You know what I'm saying? So if people want us to teach what mom and dad are afraid to teach at home, that that's what they're wanting us to teach and to take place of mom and dad, they're sadly mistaken what the school system's about, to be quite frank. And that's not what the school system is about. The school system is designed to when somebody graduates high school, they have a firm foundation of a generalization of American history. Won't have everything. They won't tell you how many times Thomas Paine spit in a bucket at this place right here. It's just not going to happen. All right. But they will understand a little bit about who Thomas Paine is, you know, or who Abraham Lincoln is and things like that. But it won't go into all the negotiations that Abraham Lincoln had and the side discussions with Frederick Douglass. It just won't because you're doing a broad overbrush to bring everybody to a baseline of a general understanding of American history. If you want that thoroughness stuff, maybe that's for AP, you know, and things of that nature. But I agree with you. If you take a step back, and one of the things I'll, I will say is at no point should we be turning history into a class that makes one race or another sit there and all of a sudden blaming them for past things when they weren't even alive during those times. Cause all we're doing is resorting back to things before segregation and all this other shit. So to be honest. Yeah. Well, last thing I would say is number one, we have a whole year. I don't know if you know this, that the seventh grade is completely in social studies, Texas history. That's a full year. And then you have, you know, like you said, there's times of the year of every year that we, we talk about a few things in Texas history. Um, another thing, when you were talking about the critical race theory, I mean, that's that's the word they use. It's I'm calling it the critical race indoctrination theory is what I'm calling it, because what you're wanting to do is you're wanting to teach kids in a classroom that certain ones should feel bad about something that happened, you know, 200 years ago. And the other ones should feel a little bit better about themselves because they can look down on someone and go, well, you're the reason that I am 
not getting places or not going places. And what you're doing is you're telling kids to have an excuse of why they don't have to try their best. And you're having kids have an excuse of why they should feel less good about themselves. And you're right. What happened to the parents teaching race things in the home, teaching manners in the home, right and wrong in the home? Now you want to teach us not only to teach a curriculum, but you want to teach a theory. And now you want to teach them how to take care of your kids. I mean, might as well just turn the kids over to the state and let the foster kid system be what we, we send our kids to when they turn five and we pick them back up when they're 18. So one of the things, and they say, well, you're not teaching all history. Well, let me say this. And like I said, back to the baseline part is I can name three things off the top of my head right now that we do not teach in high school that does not teach kids right. Pearl Harbor was not a strategic move when they bombed because they missed everything that they were supposed to. They missed the important stuff. They could have took us to our knees. They they kicked us in the stomach and blocked our eye, but they didn't take the, the oil reserves. They didn't hit the aircraft carriers. They didn't hit the damn depot that fixed the ships. So it was a strategic blunder by the Japanese. But in high school, they will tell you that it was a strategic significance. It was, it was the location, but they blundered it. The Japanese did. That's one. Two, we were in Russia in World War I, and they were our enemies. You wonder why they hate our asses? Because we went over there to kick their asses. We lost, but we were over there even after World War One, and most people don't even know that. Go look up the polar bear expedition and Archangel. That's two. We don't teach that in high school. And three, the Russians in World War II knew about Pearl Harbor two days prior to the bombing. And that, my friend, is what saved the freaking Ruskies because they were able to bring the troops from Siberia over to save Moscow. Otherwise, Moscow would have fell. But we don't teach that shit one bit in high school. But those are facts. There's nothing to despite that, dispute that. But history at high school is a baseline for everybody to have an equal foundation when they go in the world. And they got to go to college and figure those things out. You know what I'm saying? So anyway. Exactly. I think we're trying to get out of here. But you're right. I mean, we can't teach everything. We're doing the best we can. People want to change something. You know what? Put your kid in history 101 in college and let them start indoctrinating because they will do it. I agree. So with that there, and parents just be parents around the dinner table. Probably be the best thing. So from the coach to the vet. Stay tuned, stay tuned, stay tuned.